Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 029. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, are you a fan of sunshine? Many of us appreciate the warmth and light we experience from the sun, but have you ever considered the power of the sun behind those warm rays? Sometimes we do the same thing with God. What would our worship be like if we could appreciate the sun and not just the rays? This was a special worship service because it took place in our outdoor pavilion, so the idea could come to life as the sun warmed our space. Let's find out more. Well, have you ever had a a season where your circumstances seem to be the guide of the entire day? Maybe it's the weather. Maybe it's your body. You know, if my back feels good when I wake up, it's going to be a good day. If Syracuse loses, well, just pack it in. It's done. It is amazing the power that we can give to our circumstances, which is totally human. I get as well. For me, the course of my day can be dictated by how many tasks there are between me and my first cup of coffee. But what if circumstances didn't have that kind of power over us? What if we could live our lives entirely free of that? How would that change your life? Maybe we'll get to see today. Let's pray together. God, help us to see that there is freedom in you and who you are. Amen. Well, today we have the finale of our Conversation with God series that we've been doing over these last couple of weeks. And this is the day, of course, the last day, where the conversation takes this major shift, does this major U-turn almost. And I'm going to give you just at least a sampling of it through the scripture that I'm going to read today. I'm going to read parts of Habakkuk 3, and the parts that I don't read kind of re-say a lot of what I'm going to say. So like I say, this is going to be a bit of a sampling. Verses 1 to 6 and then 17 to 19. O Lord, I have heard of your renown, and I stand in awe, O Lord, of your work. In your own time, revive it. In your own time, make it known. In wrath, may you remember mercy. God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. The brightness was like the sun. Rays come forth from his hand where his power is hidden. Before him went pestilence, and plague followed close behind. He stopped and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The eternal mountains were shattered. Along his ancient pathways, the everlasting hills sank low. Though the fig tree does not blossom, and no fruit is on the vines, though the produce of the olive fails and the fields yield no food, Though the flock is cut off from the fold, and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exalt in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of the deer, and he makes me tread upon the heights. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So as I said, there is this major shift going on in this conversation that God is having with the prophet Habakkuk. So what's different? Well, I'm going to reread verse 2 here. O Lord, I have heard of your renown, and I stand in awe, O Lord, of your work. In your own time, revive it. In your own time, make it known. In wrath, may you remember your mercy. So let's look at what's not different. Because that might help plan out what is making a shift in this. What's not different? First off, the circumstances that Habakkuk is talking to God through. There's a little bit of a review of where this book has been going and this conversation has been going. God's people in the southern kingdom in Judah have been turning away from God. 
They've been going unfaithful. And God has told Habakkuk that he's going to discipline his people. And God would use very strong, very bad people to do it. So in this major turn in this book, none of that has changed. See, God has a vision of what his people are going to look like. And that requires work here and now. I mean, that's the idea of discipline, right? I mean, think about it this way. I look at Andrew as his dad, and I think of what I hope he will be like in 20 years. And I hope that he's going to be smart, hardworking, a respectful person. And so I kind of have that vision of what he's going to be like. And I really hold that for all of my kids. But in order to have that vision come to fruition, that requires work now. That requires us teaching him how to learn, how to work hard, how to be respectful. So that hopefully in 20 years, and well along the way as well, that vision of what he will become will start to come to fruition. And I can take the guess that God really has the same kind of vision for his people. That they would be a people who love God, who seek after him in good times and in bad, that worship him for who he is. None of that idea of the vision that God would have has changed. And I'm taking an educated guess at it, but I would guess this is what God would want for his people. But even worse, even though God's still going to discipline his people, God's still going to use the bad Chaldeans to do it. That's on par with calling in the mob to clean up the church. It's about the scale of of what's going on here. Hard times are coming. Habakkuk knows it. Habakkuk's just like trying to brace himself for it. Like, all right, God, while your discipline is coming down hard, remember you are a merciful God. Please. So what else remains the same? Well, Habakkuk 3, 4. The brightness was like the sun. Rays came forth from his hand where his power lay hidden. Now, I love what this image holds because it's Habakkuk trying to describe God's power and God's glory. Let's take it into today, and it works out so perfectly again that we're outside today. Though you're all just about in the shade, does anybody here like the sun? A couple of people? (laughs) I understand that. I understand that. I'm slowly like, I'm going to move my stand a little bit further up just as the sun creeps through, through the pavilion here. But it feels good, at least in spurts, to be out in the sun, to feel its warmth to experience its light. Do you ever consider the source of that warmth and that light and that vitamin D that that graces us with its presence now? The source is a star that could consume the earth like a lion eating a ladybug. It's a true idea, even though we may not often think of it that way when we we think about the sun. You know, I, I can't imagine Tom and Dixie watching a sunrise and going, oh, isn't this a beautiful sunrise? I'm so glad the sun didn't just try and consume us like a solar snack. I probably just ruined sunrises and sunsets for just about all of you, but... (laughs) But God can be a bit similar. Where we see God's work, the evidences of God's existence in what God does. And that's good. It's certainly a good thing to be able to do. But we can get stuck there. It can lead us to forgetting the power behind all of those works. Forgetting who is behind those. Because that God who commands the power that Habakkuk is mentioning stays unchanged through all of it. He's the Holy One who disapproved of Judah's wayward ways all along. He's the all-powerful one who commissioned 
the Chaldeans to be his tool for discipline, even whether they appreciated it or were honored by it or not. These are traits that remain the same, even in this biggest shift in the book that is happening as this conversation goes on. So if the circumstances aren't any different, and the God who is half this conversation isn't any different, where's the change? Well, Habakkuk's focus is changed. Now, I'm going to get to the passage that draws this out in a bit. But I want you to follow, as Habakkuk is having this conversation with God, kind of follow the train of thought of what he's saying. How would you allow, how would you work, all these bad things to go about among your people? How would you allow your people to go so wayward? Why would you do this? As the conversation goes on, surely you won't use do work. Surely you won't use the Chaldeans to discipline your people. That's not something you would do. Chapters 1 and 2 of a three-chapter book, Habakkuk has this kind of horizontal theology. He's looking at God and appreciating God for what God does. Again, there's nothing wrong with this. This is something that you've heard me bring up constantly about looking at God's track record, God's history. In fact, throughout pretty much the whole Old Testament, such a deep part of Jewish tradition is recounting the things that God has done for them and the way God has been faithful in his works. But if we stop there, we only get a shadow of God. It's kind of like the sun illustration that I said. We can appreciate the sun's rays and the light and the warmth, but if we think that's, that's all that there is, then we're missing out on getting to appreciate the sun itself and the power and the strength and the heat in that body 93 million miles away. And Habakkuk goes from looking at the rays to looking at the sun itself. He goes from this horizontal theology, hanging on to how God works and what God does, to a vertical theology, appreciating who God is. That's where the shift happens. And it completely changes everything for Habakkuk. As he says, in verses 17 and 18, tied together very well, but I'm going to stop in the middle of this as I read 17. He says, Though the fig tree does not blossom, and no fruit is on the vines, though the produce of the olive fails and the fields yield no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold and there is no herd in the stalls. This may not sound like much to us. Some of you, maybe, if you come out of a farming background or something like that. But this is an entire culture that is built on farming and agriculture. And if the fig trees don't blossom, if there's no flock in the herd, guess what? There's no flock to create more flock. Your livelihood is on the line. So maybe today our version of it might be, though the internet goes down forever, our life savings is tanked, and every grocery store from here to Iraq just magically disappears off the earth. That's kind of the scale of what Habakkuk is saying. Even though all that stuff may happen, and we know it's going to happen, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, he says in the next verse. I will exalt in the God of my salvation. He does these things not just because of what God has done, horizontal theology, but for who God is. Because when our world falls apart, God is. Now I know that may sound like a bunch of theological ivory tower mumbo jumbo, so exactly how does that help us get through life? Because that's really what we kind of look for, right? How is this going to help us when my back blows out, or when Syracuse loses, or when 
the kids all wake up before the coffee gets down the gullet. Here's how. Now, see, if I worship God for who he is, rather than, let me put it this way, what I can get from him, then I will never, ever be disappointed. If I come to God saying, I'll take God if he can help save my marriage. Or I'll take God if he can straighten out my kid. Well, the fact is, God may, will certainly hear that prayer, but he may not answer it the way we expect. Or even the way we want. And we may end up risking ditching God because he never gave us what he never promised us in the first place. But rather, if my security lies in God is good, period. God is faithful, period. God is love, period. Regardless of how that may play out, I will never be disappointed because that never changes. I'll be able to stand when the world falls apart around me. It's kind of like that offering song had said. Like I said, I swear Natalie Grant wrote that song for this message today. But that chorus says, it reminds me to desire the healer, not just the healing. Right? Desire who God is, not just what God does. Desire the Savior, not just the saving. I'm appreciating the sun, not just the rays that it gives off. That's the shift that Habakkuk makes. And it makes all the difference in the world to him. And so this week, I want you to practice this as you pray. Within your bulletin, within your next steps, I figure I'm going to write this down rather than have you try and write it down. I wrote kind of an example of a way this week to end your prayers. Now, it's not that these are magical words or anything like that. But again, it's just an example. But what it does is it reminds us as we pray and we close out our prayers with this doxology that our faith rests in a God who lives and reigns forever. A God who is, no matter what is going on around you, no matter what kind of circumstances you're facing. A God who is good, a God who changes lives, just like he did for Habakkuk. You know what? He can do the same for you. Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. On next week's episode, we'll be starting a new worship series called More Than Happy. We'll open by answering the question, what do I do in those times when I feel alone, like nobody gets what I'm going through? Those are the questions that can plague even the most extroverted person. Where do I go with that? What do we do? Find out next week on the Woodlane Worship Podcast.